0: hey folks welcome to another episode of black and white where anthony and i discuss all topics from politics tech money and the latest items clogging your social news feed so buckle up it's going to be a puppy ride anthony what's going on i'm finally back in sunny sunny california from my rainy cold work trip to london and dublin how you living?
1: I'm living good. While you've been enjoying the rain, I've been enjoying sunny California. It's Los Angeles. The weather's starting to warm up a little bit down here. And just to put that in perspective, that means going from 55 degrees to 65 degrees to 75 degrees. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So it was a really harsh winter in the
0: 50s. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think this is the first winter I have been a part of where it's been warmer than like 50 degrees and it hasn't been pitch blackout. (laughs) Are you referring to our previous lives in Seattle? Oh, yes. The very dark and gloomy. Some people love it. I'm not going to knock it. You know, they love their Starbucks every fucking day. But for me, I need some goddamn sunlight And California. (laughs) Fuck your taxes. But at least you have sun. (laughs) At least I get something for the payment, right? (laughs) There's so many things going on this past week my newsfeed has been exploding goddamn Trump's free he's running like a goddamn (laughs) tyrant we got the Iowa primaries that have concluded and finally got the goddamn count right and then we had New Hampshire and if anybody thought it was gonna be any difference uh did you look at the population of Iowa to New Hampshire
1: it's pretty white (laughs) I mean (laughs) it's really white (laughs) You know, I used to think, oh, that's what you described as middle America, but it's not even America at this point. (laughs) 60% of the country is now racially
0: diverse, Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. Iowa and New Hampshire do not actually represent majority of the population is going to be voting for the president. Maybe this is good. Maybe this is bad. Maybe it's time for Iowa and New Hampshire to be pushed to the side.
1: Well, I think the the answer to that is, yes, we are going to bring in some new people. And one of the leading candidates who is both taking over Twitter, taking over Instagram, taking over Facebook, and certainly trying to appeal to the bigger states, as well as what I'll call the rest of America, is Michael Bloomberg. I am running to defeat Donald Trump. He has officially ignited a complete social media war. He has flooded my instagram facebook twitter and every other platform feed that i can think of he is in commercials on every channel that i flip to and that's even here in california and most importantly of all finally finally someone is listening he started a dogfight with donald trump and i believe the catchphrase of the day is hashtag carnival barking clown finally we are escalating his social media game is
0: on fire. I think that he's taking a playbook out of AOC. He's reaching down to Trump's
1: playbook. He's reaching all around and figuring out how the fuck is he going to get into these people's news That's feed. exactly right. And what I like is a few things about this. Number one, finally, we have a candidate who's willing to get their hands dirty. They're taking their gloves off and they're recognizing I need to stop with this elitist, holier-than-thou liberal bullshit. Donald Trump is out there spreading lies and spreading fears and he knows damn well the only way you are going to Get Americans out to vote is to keep them entertained. You must. What was, that, what was that movie, Gladiator, with Russell Crowe? Are you not entertained? And he's 100% right. Maximus has got to rally the crowd. And Bloomberg, in a in literally a less than 30 days, has gone from zero to 100 in no time at all. No time yeah, at all. Yeah, I
0: actually really like this strategy. A lot of people have not even been paying attention. In fact, the only thing they really do pay attention to is their social media feed, something that Donald Trump and both Barack Obama figured out back when they were running. And Michael Bloomberg is like, Iowa New Hampshire, I'll fuck all that. I'll just go ahead and meet you in Super Tuesday, where I'm ready to come in with all my advertisements. I've been in the Super Bowl. I am laying out message after message Completely. after message. Like I'm just so confused on like how he has managed to plug himself in.
1: TJ, the answer to your question is he managed to plug himself in with money. Oh, oh <laughs> his, his actual war
0: chest of money, right? He's, he's like, fuck the Russians. I got plenty of money. That's what he said. I, I literally saw a couple of his fees from Instagram where he was partnering with some of the promoters there, and they are brilliant. They are so catchy. And they're just so, so millennial, so clickable, so shareable. I think he was sending something in someone's news feed where he was like, hey, will you come and promote me? And the person responded, like, that's going to cost you a billion dollars. He's like, all right, what's your Venmo? And it's just stuff like that that's just so catchy and so funny that Absolutely. it's keeping me entertained and engaged.
1: It's keeping you engaged and saying that it's clickable, it's shareable, it's things that we want to enjoy. The problem with the dem- the rest of the Democratic Party is they have this like 1960s view of how polit- politics should be and how parties should operate. And it's just so uninteresting. It's so not modern. It's so not with the times. And you look at the winning candidates, Barack Obama, Donald Trump. And they were social media geniuses because they were engaging on these platforms and now we get to engage. It almost feels, even if it's not true, like we're participating. Mm -hmm. Like we're getting to know the candidate because we can take their message and not just talk about it with friends. Like if we retweet it or repost it or commented on it, it's like we feel as part, like we're part of this campaign, that we're involved and we're making this happen rather than advertisement on television barking at me to do something and then I click to the next channel, right? There's nothing to engage in. I think
0: that he also benefits from the fact that he is self-made and he doesn't have to play by the same rules as anyone else in the field. Because at the end of the day, If he wins or loses, he just goes back to his chest full of money, all his houses. He doesn't have to go back and placate to his constituents and be like, hey, you know, I fucked up. I didn't really mean all these things. He's like, look, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say whatever I feel like it and I'm going to do what it takes to win. I think that's why it gives him a leg up over the competition here.
1: He's worth several billion dollars. I can look it up and get the exact number. It's it's certainly close to $30 billion. If he blows a billion dollars on this campaign, and at his current run rate, by the way, he will easily spend a billion dollars on this campaign, maybe even 1.5 if he actually makes it to the White House. If he tries. <laughs> what does he care? what does he care right he has another 29 billion dollars to spend over the next 20 years less 20 or 30 years left in his life correct i do want to i do want to read this amazing tweet from the two of them this morning that really just got me so fired up so donald trump at o dark 30 this morning says mini mike is a 5 foot 4 mass of dead energy who does not want to be on the debate stage with these professional politicians no boxes please he hates crazy bernie <laughs> and will with enough money possibly stop him bernie's people will go nuts and then mike responds real donald trump we know many of the same people in new york behind your back they laugh at you and call you a carnival barking clown they know you inherited a fortune and squandered it with stupid deals and incompetence I have the record and the resources to defeat you and I will. And Donald Trump has been freaking out yes. all day. <laughs> this is what we wanted. Who has the receipts?
0: Yes. Like this is exactly <laughs> what we want to know. Trump, how rich are you? When we do this shit with our friends, we like, yo, bitch, I know you ain't rich because we know you, you have trouble at McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> bitch.
1: And that he, credit card balance. Exactly. He
0: he's the one that has the receipts. He's like, No, bitch, your credit card bounce when you try to buy that yacht. Okay. You you ain't big pimping like me. And so I I <laughs> I love it! I think this is brilliant, and I think that he's really bringing in the type of fire and attack
1: that people want to see. Absolutely, he is 100% committed to Super Tuesday, and that's all that this matters is he needs to look at this as our voters responding to this message? Are they going to come out to him on Super Tuesday? You know, and I think he's just listening to the feedback, and and he's loving every bit of it. Now, here's the caveat, though. Here's where the Democrats are going to take what they right now have as a gem in this candidate, and they can run it into a brick wall. And so. As I was going through all of these feeds, I came across on in my Instagram feed an interview with Oprah and Michelle Obama at one of her, you know, Vision 2020 conferences that Oprah's been hosting. She interviews all these – Giving people, out cars. Right, like right, right. She's yeah, giving away cars, <laughs> interviewing famous people about how great the world is. By the way, side note, I want a name like Oprah where I just give them my first name and everyone knows who I am. Uh, You know, oh, Yes, they call me Oprah. Oprah. I can't just be like Anthony. They're like, who? (laughs) Or even Michelle, like a Michelle Obama. I can't just be like, well, it's Michelle. And they're like, who? (laughs) I need like Kobe level status or Beyonce. (laughs) So anyway, so they're sitting down. And of course, the topic of Michelle's famous quote, when they go low, we go high. And she goes on explaining why it's so important to maintain that level of integrity and dignity and not to feed into this much easier path, which she called fear. And all I can think to myself is, Michelle, I hate to break it to you. You're wrong. Fear is winning right now. And what I love about Michael Bloomberg's campaign is he is essentially saying, when they go low, I'm going to use a billion dollars and go low too.
0: (laughs) She's a brilliant woman. She's really well-educated. And her position, you know, we go low, when they go low, we go high. It makes sense for the Democratic field. That's how we perceive the world to be, that everyone's going to play by the same rules. It's going to be fair. And if you've looked at the Republican playbook for the last couple of decades, that has not been true. They have been trying to find ways to undercut us, trying to prevent people from voting, block Democrats from appointing judges. Like at every turn, they have literally taken parts of the Constitution, agreements that they made in the past, and just flipped it on its
1: head to suit them. 100% of the time. And even going back to that fear point, I I remember distinctly in 2004, Bush won on a fear campaign, right? Like, do this for America. Mm -hmm. If you don't elect George Bush for a second term, America is going to get destroyed, bombed again, attacked at every which way in front, that Democrats are weak, right? Now we're just looking at a different type of fear campaign, fear of this economic quote-unquote boom, is going to end. Fear of losing your job, fear of losing your house, fear of losing any sort of whatever the Republicans think they gave America. But they're, they're instilling that Correct. message. I think one specific constituent that I want to talk about is the black community, and it's affecting who... We nominate the black community is is truly favoring certain candidates in the co- in, in the field right now and really despising a few and this also of course relates to Bloomberg he's he's on the hot seat for stop and frisk you've got Bernie he's I don't want to say never been liked by the black community but he's he's had a lot of trouble uh, rallying that support and you look at somebody like Joe Biden he was the leading black candidate and he's doing terrible terrible in the latest polls mm-hmm. and caucuses so first what is your reaction to that you know that issue around Black people trying to choose the candidate that they feel best represents. Them. These
0: candidates, no matter Democrat or Republican, we've wised up to the fact that they have not always been true to their word. And that even some of the people that we did support in the past, like a Bill Clinton, especially when it comes to saying like, hey, he was our first black president, mostly because of the Monica Lewinsky thing. But even still, though he has really strong black support. But as we unveil some of the things that happen afterwards, those policies disproportionately affect the black Mm -hmm, community, mm -hmm. we've started to notice that maybe some of these saviors that say that they're going to do things for us are not actually going to come true. Asking the black community to just get behind you because, you know, you're better than the other candidate. well. I don't think that's a a very fair choice for them. Right. What they really want is someone that's going to come down and say, we understand your problem. And by you starting in Iowa and New Hampshire, that's not going to get you any closer to understanding the black community. It's kind of like the Oscars. You're listening to yourselves over and over again. You have white judges, white panelists, and you're putting up the nominations that you feel are necessary. Say, Mm -hmm. hey, why is it that all these people that were winning are all white? Well, look at the people around you. And so, like mm-hmm. that's kind of what we hear, or what I perceive in this issue, which is like, you don't have black support. No, it's because you're not going to do the things to get the black support that's required. You're sitting in your echo chamber, and that's what's happening.
1: I definitely think the the current situation in this country around racism, around incarceration, around economic economic inequality that over affects the black community is real. I'm glad that you brought up Bill Clinton because I think the policies that were passed in the 1980s and the 1990s, and and in some ways the early 2000s, it's just now that we're seeing the effect of them. A lot of what had happened started to have a reversing trend under Barack Obama, and that things have gotten better. And so there's this weird balance between, yes, policies, especially in the 1980s and the war on drugs, And in the the 1990s, really, really destroyed families and lives and livelihoods of, of people across the entire spectrum of black and also Latino communities in this country. My problem here is, A, I get the distrust. But when it comes to politicians making promises they can't keep, that does not just affect black people. That affects all of Americans. The issues in this country around economic inequality, income inequality, can be solved For all people, so long as you have the right policy, right? Raising taxes on rich people and funding public education or funding public projects or public works projects or infrastructure projects, right? If the government has a policy to do that or a candidate is promoting that policy, that helps everyone. So my issue with this, what I'll call this black, anti-white or anti-Bernie or anti-Bloomberg stance, my problem with that is what policy has one of these candidates proposed that hurts the black community or said differently, isn't good for the black community. I get it. Mike Bloomberg did stop and frisk. That was mm-hmm. like twenty years ago. Okay? We we are we are maybe it's fifteen years ago. We are beyond that now. He's admitted, okay, that was wrong. Mayor Pete has done nothing but try to, for the most part, promote I- ideas and concepts for our country policy concepts that are good for the community so i don't understand this animosity i think that we're raising the standard in
0: which we are going to vote for a white candidate just saying that you're going to mm-hmm. create a policy that's going to be good for everyone we've heard that before but as if you look at black wealth in this country it hasn't actually increased at the same rate as our counterparts in fact we're seeing not the a, policies not that have impacted immigrants and their wealth has actually skyrocketed i saw A a research study that even Hispanics wealth is growing faster than the black community. All these policies under Barack Obama, under Bill Clinton, all these promises that were made, we still have not seen significant gains. And I think that's what we're asking for now is we want significant gains because we
1: put a lot into this country to get it started. Absolutely. Well, when we talk about put a right. lot into this country to get started, I mean, that is an understatement of the of the last 200 years. A slight side note, I actually had an opportunity to watch the movie Harriet. I thought it was a decent movie. Certainly the message was clear. I think it's always important to watch these movies as a, as a means to understand your own history. And two things that came out of this movie. One was the case is always made about the Civil War, that if slavery went away, the South's economy would be completely crushed because they wouldn't have the margins and they wouldn't have the profits that they would. And I just think this is so interesting that as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking about like if they got rid of slave labor, they would actually have to pay people to to work and that would destroy the economy. Here we are, all right, that was in the, in the 1850s. Here it is 2020. And we still hear these same exact arguments about paying all people, black people, white people, Latino people, Asian people, immigrants, a meaningful and living wage. And the the argument is the same. Correct. Oh, if I pay them enough to be happy, it'll destroy profits. I mean, what a total load of horseshit. It's just crazy to me that I'm watching this movie that is based in the 1950s and the same arguments are being made. Black people, crazy. <laughs> Black people, white
0: people, Hispanic people, Asian people, Americans in this country get behind a candidate that's gonna represent all of us. They're not going to be perfect. People do make mistakes. It shouldn't be holistically about what they've done in the past. Mm -hmm. It should be what are they proposing for us in the future
1: and then holding them accountable for it. Be open-minded to listening. I think that is also what needs to happen here, right? We always, we say in the Democratic Party that we want to listen to other people's points of view. I want all of the candidates to take the time and listen to the specific issues that are important to the Black community. But I also want to be practical. What is the alternative? My concern here is that the community bitches and complains and bitches and complains and says, oh, my God, no one's listening to us. No one hears us. Well, what is the alternative that you either don't show up to vote and you get more of Donald Trump, in my opinion, would be a terrible idea. Like Going back to the policy part of this, it's I think racist white Americans get infuriated when they see other groups of people making self-destructive decisions. And I absolutely think that crucifying a Democratic candidate with good policies simply because he doesn't come off or she doesn't come off as black enough. Is a very self destructive thing to do. I really just firmly believe that. Like, you have to be practical. Otherwise, you will alienate the people that are trying to help you. You will alienate, if Mayor Pete or Bloomberg or Sanders become president and you've made a point to like crucify them about the black community, then now you've lost a seat at the table when the time comes. There's a lot of unknowns about mayor pete
0: the information that's coming out about how he's running his current campaign is not helping where they're saying people that are minorities in his campaign don't feel like they have a voice right they don't feel like they're being listened to how can we expect someone to speak up for mm-hmm. us if within his own campaign he cannot quash these same issues
1: yeah i i think that is and it goes back to your point is like these candidates have to do the little things, they have to engage with the community. At first, when I see these candidates going to the black church or the black assembly, they seem so out of place. So they they need to work on that and spend the time to say, how can I get something meaningful out of this rather than just a photo opportunity or a video opportunity? I immediately go, wow, that looks awkward and fake.
0: There are certain segments of the population, we go down to South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, things like that, that you're gonna have to go make those type of appearance because that's a part of their culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Us on the West Coast, you know, we're a little bit more laid back. You know, you can go meet us at the town hall or you can find us at Chipotle. But either way, (laughs) I mean, you can come and get your message across. You can meet people where they are. Some of the things that Pete could do to really speak to this is, one, he can confront it and be honest. Mm -hmm. Talk about some of the things that happened in the places that he was the governor and tell him either why he failed and acknowledge that failure. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. But by not acknowledging it,
1: it's almost even worse. So in Bloomberg's case, he's doing the right thing by saying, yes, you know what? I did do stop and frisk. Yes, crime went down, but there was these consequences. We're going to fix that. I don't agree with that. That was a long time ago. Let's move forward. I'm all about that. And I agree with you 100%. So Pete, go out there and be honest. I mean, I'm interested to hear from you. I'm a Mm
0: college-educated black man that's living in California. I think you have a great message. I think you have a lot of great opportunity. But I just want to hear from you, right? And if Mm -hmm. you can find a way to maybe pull a playbook from Bloomberg, you should definitely get into my
1: newsfeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and he needs to make those stands. Now, we look at Bloomberg fessing up. We look at Pete. He's got work to do. Let's talk about the last person who is completely unwavering in their message, regardless of who it helps or offends, the divider or the unifier. That is the question about good old Senator Bernie Sanders. The American people, I've got a lot to learn about social and uh, justice inequality in this country. The millionaires and billionaires don't give a goddamn about your lives. And Jeff Bezos and Amazon create these $15 an hour jobs and it's leaving you in nothing but poverty. Because you still got $1,000 a month in student loan payments. But if you elect me, free. (laughs) Healthcare, free. College, free. free. (laughs) Food, free. Your commute to San Jose, free. I think there has been so much uh, more discussion, especially after New Hampshire, uh, especially after Iowa, and going into this, that he is coming across as a lot stronger than we expected, number one. However, we're seeing some what I'll call wounds. He won New Hampshire against Hillary Clinton by 60% of the vote. That now da- plummeted down to some 28, 29% of the vote. Donald Trump, of course, tweeting in his, in his rants against Bloomberg that he would much rather run against Sanders because... To quote him, Sanders has a loyal and real following. I think wow, he's punching below a the belt He's essentially saying that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's literally hitting them both at the same time with the same punch. But, but Sanders has a strong and loyal following. I do agree with this. We, you know We can call them Bernie bros. We can call them whatever. Sometimes they can be a great thing to have if you're the candidate, and they can be mm-hmm. awful to have in a debate because they're unwavering and they can get vicious. So let's start with how do you feel about
0: Donald Trump's comment? Bernie Sanders does have an issue. The challenge is going to be for him, mm-hmm. you have a strong following, you have a lot of great ideas, but it's built on this premise that a whole bunch of young people are going to come out and vote for you. And I think Donald Trump sees an opening there. And as far mm-hmm. as going for Bloomberg, honestly, I just think he's afraid. Because regardless of who comes in first or last, it's all going to be about... the the final nomination, because the final nomination is going to carry the votes either way. So you can call them fake followers, real followers. Regardless, they're going to come out and vote. Bloomberg is the best counter puncher. And also he has this sneaking habit of being the, the, I might be just another rich white man to get all the other people that might be racist to get on his side too. And I think that Donald Trump sees that. I think Donald Trump sees like, oh my God, this is a legit businessman. I don't want to go against him. Even if I do think that his following is very weak, he is someone that could really punch back and say, I am a legit American. American businessman and
1: I know all your dirty secrets bitch it is absolutely a double take on behalf of Donald Trump to try to switch the focus on Sanders rather than Michael Bloomberg. I think he is absolutely afraid to run against Michael Bloomberg because Michael Bloomberg is not going to hold back on anything. I think in terms of Bernie Sanders loyalist followers, yes, he has loyal followers in the Democratic Party. Yes, he can poll in 25 to 30 percent of those followers, in my opinion, is not going to get 51 percent of those of the people that are voting in the swing states that matter in Ohio and Florida and Pennsylvania and Virginia and Michigan and Nevada. And when we start to go and see diverse communities, communities that are Latino, that are black, that are immigrant, that are Asian, and not just straight white men, we're going to have a much different discussion about this. And so as much as I love Bernie Sanders, I've been a burner for six years now. I've supported his boldness. I've supported his authenticity. I've supported the fact that he's brought some serious issues to the national stage, eliminating college debt and college costs altogether, especially over time. And, and at least getting people some form of health care is absolutely the right direction that this country needs to go in. But I have to say, I think it's time, to time to retire Bernie retire Sanders. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you know,
0: Bernie Sanders has done a really great thing for the Democratic field. I think that we can that that should not go unsaid, which is focusing the Democrats on problems that are really impacting Americans that we really do care about. College education, we care about. Healthcare, we care about. To my to your point about Petey, I hope that he doesn't fall yeah. into the same mishap of staying too centrist for too long to come out and say, mm-hmm. like, yes, I do believe that we have done a disservice to the, the nation's millennials and the generation Z's by saddling them with debt. Yes, we've done a disservice by going and raising the deficit. Yes, we've done a disservice by saying that the only thing that we care about is the unemployment and the stock market, but not but not providing a ladder of opportunity for these people to make it. Now is the time for him to go ahead and start seeking in like that centrist, maybe a little bit to the right of Bernie and maybe to a little bit of the left of Klobuchar, but get your get your point out and make it be heard
1: get your point out make it be heard I think there's a clear message coming from at least this black and white podcasters and that is uh, Bloomberg you're doing phenomenal work keep tweeting Petey, you're doing phenomenal keep work tweeting. step up your game
0: oh my gosh I wake up every day, I'm like oh my god is there another tweet that's how you know this shit's working <laughs> when I'm anticipating a motherfucking tweet uh Petey get your fucking <laughs> social media team on this you need to get your shit together because if you don't a Bloomberg gonna make a fool out of you
1: <laughs> absolutely and on that note everyone have a phenomenal day Uh, Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode of Black and White. We want to hear from you. Shoot us a message at blackandwhitepodcasters at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at blackandwhitepodcasters or Twitter at blackwhite underscore revo. Want more Black and White? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Have an awesome day.